to zoom right there So just be cruel, don't speak too loud Try to fit in, but if you don't Then you can be in everyone. Welcome to the Outfit Repeaters, an unofficial Lizzie McGuire recap podcast. I'm your host, Marissa Cantor, and with me, as always, is Sam Chung. Hello, Marissa. It's great to be back. And spoiler alert, we did not get Ethan Kraft onto the podcast today, although that would have been very fun. It would have been the perfect episode, but if I'm being honest, we didn't even try. (laughs) (laughs) It got away from us. Well, I mean, that's coming from you. But no, he will not be joining us on the podcast today. Although, um, for anybody who might not have heard the last episode, he did send us a cameo. It's worth checking out. So, got to take what you can get, I guess. Yeah, it's pretty fantastic. And, you know, he said he was going to check it out. By it, I mean our podcast. So, if you are listening, Clayton Snyder, we appreciate you. Yeah, um, Marissa's actually Ethan's biggest fan. <laughs> I think that Ethan Kraft is the original himbo. I mean, he really got that edit a little bit this this episode. <laughs> this episode was, it was both kind and not at all kind to Ethan Kraft at the same time. Yeah, it was kind of upsetting me at points. I was like, this is really harsh. Even, you know, even when Matt McGuire is, is mocking Ethan, like Matt McGuire, you've had very <laughs> few good ideas. You know, your ideas either are brilliant or fail spectacularly. So, you know, for you to be offering your perspective on this feels, you know, you know, stay in your lane. (laughs) Yeah. Who are you? Ethan Kraft loves you. Yeah, he's your, you're his little buddy. Come on now. That's just rude. There's no need for that. Ungrateful. He he took you under his wing. Truly. You could have been his protege. Marissa, before we begin, I know that you have thoughts on the prom that are just going to come spilling out of you because that's a movie that we, it just came out this past week and you were, I feel like among the first group of people to watch it because you were a big fan of the musical on Broadway and I feel like we should just get it out of the way now. (laughs) I'm upset. Okay, this has nothing to do with Lizzie McGuire. This is this beginning portion is dedicated to how upset you are about the prom. If you don't care about the prom, feel free to fast forward. So here's the thing. I love the prom. I saw the prom on Broadway twice. The first time with my sister, we did not know what we were walking into. We got discounted tickets at the TKTS when she was in town and It sounded fun. Like I said, knew nothing about it going in, and it was pure joy. It was so meta sitting in a Broadway theater and just (laughs) listening to the ways in which Broadway was kind of being attacked. It was fun. I love the balance between the more classical Broadway songs that the Broadway performers are singing because the whole joke of the musical is that these Broadway actors, they're show bombs. 
and to rebrand to fix their image because they are terrible people they are going to find a cause and that cause is a girl in indiana who is just trying to go to prom with her girlfriend and the conservative pta of that town canceled prom so the broadway performers are like yes we support lgbt rights this can be our cause but they're totally narcissists. And so it's a lot of commentary on performative activism and the elitism of theater. But then it's also just a beautiful story about queer girls who just want to go to prom together. And (laughs) that sounds like a good show when I say it like that, I think. Thoughts? Thoughts on on what, the the Uh, Netflix movie? No, on how I just described the prom. Like I that mean, sounds did that did that sound like something you would like to see? Yeah, I would check it out. Was that what we got? Um, no. <laughs> and that is why I'm upset. Because here's the thing. So Ryan Murphy got his A-list talent to play the main adult Broadway actor role. So, you know, you got your Meryl Streep, you got your Nicole Kidman, you got Andrew Rannells, and you have James Corden. So when you have these A-list celebrities in these roles, they get more screen time and thus the balance of the movie was completely thrown off. It feels like the high school kids, Emma, her storyline was completely sidelined for Meryl Streep. Her story was nothing more than a plot device for Meryl Streep's character development. That's so upsetting to me. Because that is not what the musical was. So that's why I'm upset. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, like I said, I've never seen the Broadway version, but this did not make me want to see the Broadway version of this movie. I think there were a couple key things that I I took issue with. One was, like you said, this is primarily, like if you look at it from a storytelling perspective, it was clearly Meryl Streep's story. And all the high school kids were kind of just there to push along uh, Meryl Streep's kind of character development. The whole impetus for them going to this town was that they saw the story on Twitter. Basically, the story about the prom being canceled was kind of all over social media and they were looking for an easy cause and that's how they found out about it. So it didn't really make sense to me that the resolution to the story was... Emma telling her story on social media, it was like, that already happened. I don't really understand. And she's supposed to feel so isolated, but if this is causing a a social media movement, why does she feel isolated the entire time? I didn't feel like Emma, the main um, lesbian character from the high school, grew at all. You know, she was basically the same character throughout the whole movie. Nothing profoundly changed about her character. I don't know. Maybe you would tune in for the songs, but... You know, I think that one thing is universal, and that's that we should stop making, you know, movie musicals. Like, <laughs> let's let's stop that. I think the thing about the performance of Emma in the movie is that it's like she was just being directed to smile every time she was, wasn't speaking, or even like through her lines, she was just smiling the entire time. When she was, you know, being actively harassed, throughout the movie and traumatized. I was like, why are you smiling right now? I bet you could probably hold up the stage movie or the the, uh, the Broadway version and the movie and you could be like, 
this is Emma. This is Emma on drugs. And, like, <laughs> and that's kind of the difference between the two movies. Yeah, the stage version, the actress who played Emma and originated Emma played it with so much more nuance and you really got the sense that she didn't want the attention. And I think that's what was missing, right? With what you were saying about the story arc and the resolution, like she didn't want the social media attention. She didn't want this story to really be out there. She just wanted, she just wanted to go to prom. She didn't want to be a symbol and that's totally lost. Yeah. In the movie. I, I, didn't, I didn't get that sense at all, <laughs> but I, I hear you. I, really think we should all be going in the direction of Hamilton. We should just be recording stage shows, putting them out there the way that they're meant to be seen and just calling it a day as a theater person or just cast theater people in these movies. Andrew Rannells and Ariana DeBose come from Broadway and that shows in the movie. Their songs sit out just like by a landslide, in my opinion. And if you need any further proof that we should not be making, uh, you know, musicals into movies anymore, I would point you to the critique on Lace Miserables on YouTube by Sideways because that's really all you need to know. I love, I lo- I enjoy everything that Sideways puts out there, but his critique on Lace Miserables feels especially pointed and warranted. Yes, it did make me see Les Mis in a whole new light. <laughs> I mean, I already thought it was bad, but really digging into the why it was bad. And well, it gets into the why on several different levels. It's like from a, a technique perspective, bad. From a filmmaking perspective, bad. <laughs> Just um, from from multiple levels, bad. And he's done the same thing with looking at for example, like Beauty and the Beast. I don't know. It's just like I feel like musicals work primarily either as a live production or via animation because you can suspend your disbelief. But when random people are just randomly bursting into, I don't know, it just doesn't work. It doesn't work. Well, I think Sideways also speaks to what I'm saying because he does give Samantha Barks and Aaron Tivey credit and how you can hear the the, the actual training that they have when they're forcing Samantha Barks to just sing in the rain as she is dying on her back. <laughs> oh, yeah. He puts Anne Hathaway and Hugh Jackman on blast. On blast. <laughs> yeah, definitely worth checking out. It is long, I will say. It is like a 40-minute YouTube video. It's worth every minute, but, though. But, you know, he, has a, he points out a lot of stuff. If you're it's, a theater it's, person, yeah. it's worth the listen. Yeah. It's the inspiration for one of my favorite lines in my upcoming book. What's that? Oh, I drag Hugh Jackman. Oh, your favorite line is you dragging Hugh Jackman? Yeah, one of my favorite theater-related lines in my upcoming theater book. Marissa, I have a very important question for you. Yes. Is your favorite Lizzie McGuire line? My day is proceeding with fineness. (laughs) You know, it's up there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, great, great Ethan Craft line. Definitely. As soon as I heard it, I was like soundboard for that one. Well, thank you for giving me the space to talk about the prom. I really just articulated my Twitter rant about it. Yeah, you tried to. (laughs) Excuse me. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, besides that, there isn't much else that we've watched. I mean, obviously, the challenge started this week. We started diving into that. Um, Wait, I want to say one more thing about the prom. Oh my goodness. Okay. Yes. What I you you've reached your allotment, but you know what? What do you? What would you like to say? I said a lot, 
but I didn't say my core issue. And the core issue that I have is that Emma and Alyssa, the high school students, are the heart of the musical. They had me like openly weeping in my seat in the theater. And Ryan Murphy shortened all of their songs to give more time to Meryl and James and Nicole and Keegan-Michael Key, who, you know, I don't know what I was expecting, but he was fine. But like when you shorten the heart of the show and like the whole point of this musical and why it mattered so much to me was that it centered queer girls. And when you shorten their moments on the screen together, then you're making the choice to actively decenter them. This isn't really their story anymore. And I am upset about that. I know. Speaking of Nicole Kidman, for, first of all, I don't That's understand. What we I don't understand what her character was doing in this musical. Like, why is she there? Give it some zazz. That I was not. I was not feeling zazzed up about that. But on that note, yes, we did watch another Nicole Kidman project, The Undoing, a uh, quick uh, six-episode miniseries on HBO, and you know, it was all right. I feel like it, the the end was, you know, very hyped up. If you watch television, it's nothing you haven't seen before. But, you know, it was pretty good. Yeah, I think that I certainly enjoyed it. It was intriguing on a storytelling level. I just think that overall these kinds of stories are getting a bit tired. Like it's just another prestige drama about white people, rich white people in New York. I think that it didn't do anything for me that Big Little Lies didn't already do. I agree. It was kind of like if um, if you mixed like Big Little Lies, Defending Jacob, and Little Fires Everywhere kind of all into one one thing, you would end up with The Undoing. It's that same kind of genre. But I do think, and I said this after we finished it, I was like, I don't know. I would rather watch Defending Jacob again, honestly. Definitely an interesting an interesting program to check out for sure. I think my biggest takeaway from that is that Noah Jupe is a rising star and cast him in everything. I mean, we knew he was a rising star. That's, well, then his star is continuing to rise. That's that's not new information. I mean, we liked Noah Jupe in A Quiet Place. I know, but I haven't seen him since A Quiet Place. Yes, you have. Have I? He was in Honey Boy. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> Which was another one of your favorite movies from last year. Oh, I loved that movie. The, I miss going to the movies. The Shia LaBeouf, um, you know, semi-autobiographical thing that he wrote in rehab. Oh, that was such a good movie. It broke me at the end. Do you remember? <laughs> I started crying as the credits were rolling. That was just deeply sad to me. The whole movie, there was such a deep sadness and the way he wrote about his trauma. It's a beautiful movie. Even Stevens just hits different now. Yeah, and even Stevens, uh, a program of the Lizzie McGuire era. Yeah. Yeah, crazy. Oh, it all came full circle. It really did. We, we did this intentionally. <laughs> we, we meant to take this cir- circuitous route back to Lizzie McGuire. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> Good job, us. No Jupe was also in Ford vs. Ferrari, but I know you didn't see that movie. No, I did it was not. pretty good, though. I liked that movie. Okay, so we should probably jump into the episode. But first, there is one more thing to address that came up within the past week. Really? Yes. And it is the fact that part of my birthday present from you arrived in the past <laughs> week. Yes, it did. 
I bought it and I was fully anticipating it to come in time for your birthday. And then for whatever reason, you know, shipments got delayed, whatever. So it was a couple of days after your birthday when it arrived. And this was not uh, COVID vaccine related. It was not delayed because of the vaccine. This was just pure postal incompetence. I just want to point that out. So I am now officially the proud owner of the Orchids and Gumbo (laughs) Poker Club. I found it at a used bookstore for $6. By Magnolia Praline, property of Lizzie McGuire. Is uh, Is there a jacket copy on that? There is, but it's more about Lizzie McGuire I feel like the introduction would be more apropos. For anybody curious, it's not a big book. Oh, no. It's like 100 pages. Like we said, they, they try to pass it off as like a, um, a, a, like a long sort of novel, a big Bill Dung's roman, if you will. Like a Gone with the Wind. Like a Gone with the Wind, which is what, like 1,000 pages? It's nowhere near that. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's a very abbreviated version of that. Yeah. This is the back of the book. When Lizzie McGuire's teacher, Mr. Dig, Dig singular, may I say, confirmed in print. We knew that. He only got his glow up for the episode that Kiara came on for. That's fair. Then he was Mr. Diggs. Then he changed his name back <laughs> to Mr. Dig. But he was always mis- he was Mr. Dig before and since then. Asks all the girls in Lizzie's class to read a very special book. Lizzie is skeptical. But after she begins the Orchids and Gumbo Poker Club, she's so totally inspired by the mother-daughter relationship of the story that she starts her very own club with her very own mother. Now, you can read the book that Lizzie loved. This edition even comes with Lizzie's own personal comments, doodles, and thoughts in the margins. Plus, it includes a scholarly introduction by Persimmon Persnickety, Ph.D., the professor who helped the world rediscover this lost classic. I feel like that was definitely not included in the show. <laughs> Dr. Persnickety? Persimmon Persnickety. <laughs> <laughs> and there is an introduction by Persimmon Persnickety. Wow. Okay. Very exciting. This is obviously a podcast of its own. It I think. is. We will have to read The Orchids and Gumbo Poker Club and discuss. Very Perhaps excited. between the end of season two and the movie. Maybe. I mean, you have a ton of stuff that we need to revisit. You have the the video game. Did you say you have you have Elixir already? I had Elixir and I think I donated it. <sighs> Lame. To the public library. Well, you have that. I feel like you just have uh, an assortment of things to revisit. I have my own journals in which I wrote, Dear Lizzie, Dear Friend Marissa. But we can talk about that next week. Yeah. If you're curious about uh, Marissa's journals as a young child, deliver or addressed to Hillary Duff. Well, no, my favorite part is that up until the spring of 2004, it's Dear Lizzie. And then there's a break from May to September. And then I come back in September and it's Dear Hillary. Not sure what happened between... <laughs> Wow. June and September. You learned that Lizzie McGuire is not a real person. She's being played by someone named... It's like you learned that the Tooth Fairy is not real. Yeah. <laughs> it's, so, like, it's like you were addressing your letters to the Tooth Fairy, but then you were like, dear mom. Dear mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I must have had quite a revelation slash undoing myself wow. in the summer of 2004. Fun times. Fun times. <laughs> Let's talk about the episode, Sam. Yeah, let's, let's do it. Let's do it. 
So this week we are recapping Lizzie McGuire episode 208, Just Friends. In this episode, Lizzie asks Ethan to be her partner for the dance, but he says he sees her more as a friend. She's determined to turn herself into the sort of girl he will fancy. This episode aired on June 14th, 2002. This was an interesting episode, and I feel like, again, the timeline has really been messed up for us. It reminded me that in the season two premiere, Gordo shows up at Lizzie's house while she's kissing shy Ronnie. This yes. feels like part of that. This episode felt a little bit like part of that story arc that has just been ignored for the past six or seven episodes after he showed up at her house. I agree. And I'm actually, I meant to do this before we started recording, but I actually am looking up the production order once again to see where this is supposed to be slotted. Yeah, because Gordo was really into Lizzie at that moment. And he was also really into Lizzie in this moment. And also, you know what? There was the other thing where I'm going to skip forward. I'm going to do that thing where we start at the end and then make our way back around to it. But, you know, Miranda is dancing with Matt at the end of the episode. You know, speaking of breaking up with someone and then just confusing them like what? <laughs> Miranda, you can't be doing that, you know? Yeah. OK, so first kiss was supposed to be the third episode of the season. And then. This episode, Just Friends, was supposed to be the 18th episode. So this was supposed to be more like the midpoint in the Lizzie Gordo arc. All right. So that still doesn't make a ton of sense. Yeah, but there's some episodes slotted in between that we haven't got to yet that I think would make that make more sense. Like there's stuff you haven't seen yet that was supposed to come before. Okay. Okay. But I hear you. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of Gordo feelings happening. Especially at the end. It's like, ooh, <laughs> Gordo. <laughs> He's learning about his changing body. <laughs> I will say, though, that I liked Gordo in this episode. I, I like season two Gordo. I, I think it's a, I can officially say I like season two Gordo a lot more than I liked season one Gordo. Yeah, I liked Gordo a lot in this episode, too. It reminded me why I had fond feelings for him. Yes. Because uh, the the whole, like, condescending thing is just like not there yeah gordo reminded me a little bit of myself in this episode in in the in that sometimes he says things to lizzie that remind me of the way i say some things to you and when we get to that i'll definitely point that out really yeah a little bit interesting a little bit and on the flip side i really related to lizzie in this episode i think that this arc her and this story just rings so true to the middle school girl experience and it just brought me back it was triggering honestly but yeah I'll get more into that as it comes up as well so should we dive in yeah cool so the episode starts at school with a close-up on Larry Tudgman of all people weird arc for Larry Tudgman in this episode yeah, but we learn a lot about Larry, actually. He becomes a real interesting character. Yeah, did you did you write some of those things down? Well, yeah. Um, in, in this scene specifically, we learn that he's seen Lord of the Rings 12 times. And you know what? Gordo, uh, Lizzie, and Miranda, they make it seem like that's weird. That's not weird because he's just getting ready for Return of the King, you know? This is mid-trilogy. He needs to stay on top of this for when the next movie comes out. 
He's a super fan. He's a, he, he is. He is a super fan. And also, this is like pre-Netflix, right? So he probably bought the DVD when there's nothing on TV that he wants to watch. He doesn't have the luxury of just browsing through Netflix. He's just gonna he's just gonna watch his DVD. Yeah, let him live. Let him live. Jeez, Lizzie. <laughs> but yes, we are learning all of these things about him because he is talking to himself in the mirror of his locker, acting out a scenario where Kate is asking him to the dance. Yes. And we learned that the reason for this is that there's something called the Sadie Hawkins dance. Sadie Hawkins day dance. Oh, the Sadie, the Sadie Hawkins day dance. I will say I have no idea what Sadie Hawkins day is, but I just Googled it. I just Googled it also. Apparently it's November 13th. So not at all correlated to the day that this episode aired, which I think you said was in June. Sadie Hawkins Day is an American folk event and pseudo-holiday originated by Al Cap's classic hillbilly comic strip, Lil Abner. This inspired real-world Sadie Hawkins events, the premise of which is that women ask men for a date or dancing. This is a new concept to me. This is not something that ever happened at any of the schools that I attended. No, and I definitely knew what a Sadie Hawkins dance was from I mean probably from this show honestly and I think there are other examples of it in the media I was consuming as a kid but in real life nah middle school dances are awkward enough without the pressure of a date are you okay yeah I'm just (laughs) this just took me down a rabbit hole apparently you know Sadie Hawkins dances aren't the best thing because Al Cap the aforementioned originator of the comic strip that inspired Sadie Hawkins dances was not a great person he was apparently a known womanizer and misogynist as well as having sort of a history of assault so not a great history associated with the Sadie Hawkins dance apparently I should have known when I googled this that (laughs) (laughs) It wouldn't be all sunshine and roses. But feminism. Apparently it's not quite as feminist as one (laughs) would would hope. Not good. Not good. But yeah, that's the premise. There's a Sadie Sadie Hawkins dance. And Miranda's like, hey, you should ask the one and only Ethan Kraft. Now you can go out with Ethan Kraft. Yes, Lizzie's moment is here. There could not be a better time. There is an event. There is an arbitrary rule that the girls get to do the asking. This is her this is her moment. Yeah, and and this is the first Gordo thing that reminded <laughs> me of something that I would say to you because yeah, Gordo's you. like you always talk about doing this and you never actually do it. Just like do it. I'm tired of saying this to you over and over again. <laughs> you know? I knew you were going to say that because I wrote that down and then I wrote in parentheses, this is an attack. <laughs> I'm, if I'm anything, I'm self-aware. That is something I do. Yeah, but this, this is actually quite an inspiring speech for Lizzie. And she says, you're right. I have my own power. I see it and I can be it. Yes. Highlight when Gordo says that Ethan is gaga for you. I mean, why would he not be? And then Lizzie proceeds to trip over like a library rolling cart. Cut to theme song. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's very hypocritical 
that here they are mocking Larry Tudgman for practicing receiving an invite to the dance from Kate. And yet here's Lizzie like, Gordo, will you practice me asking out Ethan Kraft? Yeah, which, sidebar for a second, where is Kate in this episode? I don't know, probably at the dance that they don't end up going to. Spoiler alert. But you would think that Kate would ask out Ethan Kraft. <laughs> Doubt it. Who else? <laughs> I I don't, but yeah, you would. I guess, you know, they were they were an item for a while. They maybe they, Maybe they broke up. You know, they're in eighth grade now, so maybe Kate found herself a high school boy. Oh, maybe. <laughs> All speculation. But yes, Lizzie is now essentially doing the same thing that Larry was just doing and practices asking Ethan out on Gordo, who does, you know, a 10 out of 10 impression. Yeah, but it's not a very nice impression. It's, it, oh, it's really mean. Yo, Lizzie. They, Yesterday Liz- I learned how to tie my shoes. Now I forgot. <laughs> Lizzie, Liz, even cartoon Lizzie confesses that most of the animals at Dolphin World are smarter than Ethan. I guess that's like a knockoff SeaWorld. I would say so. <laughs> yeah. And then Gordo, Lizzie asks Gordo if he has a date yet. And he doesn't, but he's not worried about it. Girls don't want what he has to offer right now. He's going to lay low until he's 20. Yes, and he's changed the world. At at age 20. I feel like we've gotten this kind of speech from Gordo before. This doesn't feel like the first time we've heard him sort of speak in this self-deprecating way. Yeah, it was in that episode in season one when, I forget what the episode was, but they were talking about their futures. You don't get me now, but you will. Yeah. And being 20 is just so old. It's, it's enough time. Where where was Miranda in this episode? I feel like Miranda was just AWOL most of this episode. Miranda existed to fall into Ethan Kraft's arms <laughs> as, a, as a diversion and dance with Matt. Yeah, really, a really unbalanced showing for Miranda. Maybe she was looking for her own date. Maybe there's a totally separate story for her. Maybe. I mean... That's some fan fiction I could get behind. I think it's just more more heat on the fire that is the theory that Miranda is just Lizzie's imaginary friend. That is the only thing that would make your Gordo and Miranda theory plausible if Miranda is, in fact, just Lizzie. Miranda is the part of Lizzie that Gordo likes. (laughs) (laughs) Miranda is real until she disappears halfway through this season with very little explanation. She's not real. She never existed. And then this is the moment where Ethan Kraft walks over, and this is Lizzie's chance. Yeah. My day is proceeding with fineness. Ah, you cut out the Lizzie, Lizzie, Lizzie. I did. But yeah, he comes up classic Lizzie, Lizzie, Lizzie. And Lizzie does it. She does the thing. She asks Ethan to the dance, and that is big, and that is brave, and that is just, that must have felt like, such a huge moment for her. How far she's come. That's what I'm saying. Like, this is a big character moment for Lizzie McGuire. She does the thing. Yeah, she does. And then Ethan is like, eh, I've always just kind of seen you as a friend. Oof. What a dirk. Instant rejection. <laughs> <laughs> but Lizzie won't take no for an answer. Which is wrong. <laughs> for the record, like, let's just say that off the top. Lizzie's like, are you sure? Yeah, I mean, when you put it that way, this entire episode, if the roles were reversed, it would feel very different. 
And we would, and I think we would be talking about it very differently. Yeah. Because Lizzie straight up starts stalking Ethan. She does. She's literally taking pictures of him when he's not looking, creeping at him through binoculars. She's, she's getting a lot of information about him. To the benefit of us, the audience, learn so much about Ethan Craft in this episode. But she goes about it in an extremely creepy and problematic way. She's being mysterious. But yeah, so that's awkward. Lizzie's like, oh, that's cool then. I see you as a friend too, but she's lying. And then we cut to the McGuire house in a weird Matt scene intro. Yeah, he and Lanny are doing a science experiment in the kitchen. Lanny is playing the part of the hunchbacked sidekick. And they're inventing a potion that's going to usher in a thousand years of evil. So fascism and coronavirus. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Except it actually turns out to be like a strawberry milkshake. And it tastes pretty good. And they forget about being evil. Let's just sell it to our friends <laughs> and make a fortune. Let's just make money. I almost forgot that this is how that these stories started. <laughs> <laughs> what a weird turn. Between where we start and where we finish with that with what that a B, weird story. B story, it goes from Frankenstein to like full Godfather. It's a weird trajectory. And then we cut to Gordo and Lizzie up in Lizzie's room, and Sam's gonna play the clip. Where does Ethan get off turning you down? I don't know. I mean, I just always thought he kind of liked me. Well, he does like you. He just you know, doesn't like you, like you. Well, why not? I mean, I'm decent looking. You're very pretty. And I'm a nice person. You're a great person. And I'm wild and unpredictable. You're a great person. You know, I bet Ethan's looking for some wild, crazy Drew Barrymore type of girl. Hmm, no. Uh, last year he liked Denise Palmer, and she's even duller than you. Not to say that you're, you're dull, of course, just... Uh, you're just not Ethan's type. But why can't I be? I mean, I can change. I can be anything that he's looking for. That's right. He wants a party girl. I can be a party girl. He wants artsy. I can be artsy. He wants intellectual. Oh, who am I kidding? Ethan can't even spell intellectual. But what is he looking for? Uh, what do you even know about the guy? Well, I know that he's a total hottie. Well, there's a rock solid foundation. We'll go from there. <sighs> Do you love that music? <laughs> what a bop. Totally. Yeah, so a couple things here. Obviously, we get the sort of unrequited love between Gordo and Lizzie. He's very much confirming that she is indeed pretty and a good person. He says it so earnestly, too. It's... <laughs> So cute and so painful. What a drag on Drew Barrymore. But an accurate one. <laughs> Almost 20 years later. Yeah. You think Disney is bitter at all that she didn't become a Disney Channel star? Maybe. <laughs> and yeah, Lizzie is basically the, the conclusion she comes to about Ethan is, hey, I can change to become whatever Ethan wants. And the way she says it just, like, breaks my heart. Like, because it rings so true. Like, that feeling and that desire to, like, when you just want to be liked so badly that you think that you're the problem <laughs> and you think that if you make yourself into somebody that you're not, that will appeal to this person, that will change. And obviously, we get the lesson 
that's just not how it works. But those feelings, that motivation, the way she even acts this scene just is massively triggering. Yeah, this this spoke to you? It did. I mean, if anybody can do it, it would be Lizzie McGuire because she's really starting from square zero. Maybe I should develop some interest. <laughs> so she actually might not need to like unlearn anything that she, any habits that she already has. She just needs to learn something. I feel like this episode is an episode that really captures the show at its best. And these are the episodes that I like to talk about the most because it really does get to the core of being a middle school girl and those feelings of not being enough and the irrational sort of crushes that develop. And there's no, like she can't even articulate why she likes Ethan. She doesn't even know that much about Ethan. It's just that aesthetic attraction. And dang it, if that's not it. Can I just point out that if she ever actually paid attention to the things that Ethan said, she would know a lot about him. She would know that he has like sort of a a rocky family situation. You know, he's 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 more than just a, a lovable doofus. Yeah, he's more than just a pretty face. He has some depth to him, and his parents and his family are going through real struggles. I don't even think he's dumb. He has said some of the most insightful lines in this show. Yeah. And and also, Lizzie, you just spent a full day with him on on your scavenger hunt. I know. How did you get nothing? (laughs) Like, clearly, Lizzie, you just don't pay attention to other people. Yeah, I think that Ethan Kraft, if, if we had a 2020 Ethan Craft, I feel like there would be an entirely different vibe in terms of how he is acted. I think that there has been a real, like he was the starting point of the himbo. He was a himbo before we even used the word himbo, but this character type has evolved. I agree. I think in even in children's content now, there's more children's content aimed for more of like the older kid demographic there's more of an emphasis on at least making every character have some sort of backstory you know some sort of motivation that makes sense like what motivates ethan day to day no idea could be anything (laughs) but even though we don't know necessarily what makes ethan tick we do know things about ethan yeah and that he's a good guy who doesn't deserve to be dragged the way he is and he has a dirt bike and lizzie you openly mock Ethan in your head all the time. Do you really think that this would be a good relationship? <laughs> Lizzie needs to be the smarter one so she can feel dominant. <laughs> That's probably true. <laughs> oh, so speaking of learning things about people, we go back to the backyard and Larry is there. He's the only older kid who <laughs> attends the Flamingo Club. And we learn that he raises sheep. And he needs to get back to them. So let's move this line along, Matt McGuire. <laughs> yeah. Club Flamingo is hopping. I want to know what their marketing is, who is doing their marketing, because they have a full backyard line. I was going to say out the door, but they're outside. So I guess beyond the threshold of their home, past the fence. Well, you know. People are lining up for what feels like just like a basic strawberry well, they came up with a real fun name for it, some supersonic tonic. I mean, yeah. any any good product needs to have a fun name behind it. Totally. And they think that they're on their way of being the hosts of the hottest spot in town. 
racking in the dough. I mean, there's not much competition. There's the collector's corner. There's the weird cafe. <laughs> there's a record store and a hot dog stand. True. It's not going to take much to become the hottest spot in town. True. So then we flip back to Lizzie. Wait, 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 wait. Not yet. Matt's going to entertain the crowd with an impression of his janitor. Oh, I was just going to like skirt past <laughs> that and pretend it didn't happen. One thing I would like to say about uh, Matt's impression of the, of his school janitor while he's waiting is that his janitor, Mr. Boudreaux, sounds like a character from the Orchids and Gumbo Poker Club. It sounds like he walked straight out of <laughs> New Orleans and into Matt's elementary school. Okay, sorry. We can go back to Lizzie now. Okay, back to Lizzie and the whole, you know, stalking sequence. Yeah, this that is, is crazy. about to unfold. It turns into it turns into like a Hitchcock movie. It does. The birds. The birds. <laughs> it's either like a maybe not the Hitchcock movie itself, maybe the SNL spoof of the Hitchcock <laughs> yeah. movie. I like that they got some stock footage of pigeons just flying around. <laughs> It reminded me of Dobby Frere's new music video where he just puts his face into stock footage. Oh my God, stop. <laughs> That's his new Christmas song and I love it. What a weird way to slide <laughs> Dobby Frere into This the is actually why I wanted to do the podcast today was just to slip that <laughs> slip that reference in. We also pronounce his name wildly wrong. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, so Lizzie and Gordo are spying on Ethan. They are trying to learn more about him. He is currently giving his lunch to pigeons, but then he is attacked by a swarm of pigeons. And it's wild. It's a wild edit. It concludes with him running into a pole. And I'm pretty sure Lizzie's takeaway was that, okay, so he likes pigeons and he's nearsighted. He likes nature, not just pigeons. Sorry, he likes, he likes nature, nature yes. and he's nearsighted. Yeah, not totally inaccurate. You feed one pigeon you're going to get more pigeons. So, you know, just don't feed any pigeons. It's true. Should be the real lesson here. Don't do it. But this clearly is not working out. Uh, they're going to need to get more specific intel. So who better to go undercover than Gordon? Yeah, I love this side by side because the height disparity <laughs> between Adam Lamberg <laughs> and Clayton Snyder is just wild. It's a full foot, I think. Yeah, it, <laughs> at least a full foot. Yeah, Ethan Kraft is way taller than Gordo. He They're, looks like a full man. <laughs> and, and Gordo just looks like a, like a smaller man. To bring it back to Lord of the Rings, Gordo looks like Frodo, and I guess that would make Ethan Kraft the, the Gandalf. Sure. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Marissa, you've never seen Lord of the Rings. Nope, and I don't plan on it. Oh, yes, you do. We're going to watch Lord of the Rings. Nope. But they end up having a conversation about girls, and Gordo prompts this by saying that he is really into European sophisticated types. Like Britney Spears. I mean, if Lizzie is like Britney Spears, then by the transitive property, yes, Gordo likes Britney Spears. Yeah. <laughs> and Ethan, fi we finally get out of Ethan that he really likes mysterious women. He likes how it's like they know something that you don't, and you really want to know what that is. Yeah, you know, like the type of girls in old detective movies. Quiet and dangerous, but you just can't stay away. Yeah, like a Bond girl. Like a Bond girl. And Ethan really, he really liked that he and Gordo were able to bond like this. He really liked having a friend to talk to. Yeah. They should hang out more. Yeah. 
And Gordo's like, no, we're not hanging out. (laughs) (laughs) Cue a stalker montage. We begin with Gordo distracting Ethan. He is hacky sacking and this really catches Ethan's eye. Well, Gordo, uh, Ethan's like, I really want to be friends with that guy. I wish we could hacky sack together, but he's such a jerk to me. <laughs> no, but the way that this was shot, it it almost gave me the vibe of like when I am playing with my dog and I am holding a ball and bouncing a ball and my dog is very laser focused on that ball. That was what was happening. I mean, that might have been what it looked like on the surface, but I really sensed something deeper. I sensed Ethan's longing for a human connection and (laughs) Gordo just flat out punching him metaphorically in the face. I love that theory. (laughs) Ethan's like, this guy, he's hacky sacking alone. I don't understand why he doesn't want to be friends with me. Gordo's just there like, Ethan has depth. Remember just an episode or two ago when he was like, Lizzie, Lizzie, Lizzie. You have great friends. Not even I have friends like Gordo and Miranda. You peeps, do the right thing. Yeah. (laughs) Do we just like forget that that happened? (laughs) Yes, this show does. Uh, But yeah, Ethan's distraction is the perfect opening for Lizzie to come in with a disposable camera, (laughs) flash on, take a picture of everything in his locker while he's standing right there. That is horrendously invasive and how does he not notice the flash (laughs) flash is going on oh my god it's ridiculous yes and then in the next sequence ethan is sitting on the stairs and miranda who has been pretty much not in this episode at all just straight up falls into ethan's arms so that lizzie can then steal the magazine that he's reading thanks a lot miranda but imagine that in a nicer way because it's really more like (laughs) Thanks a lot, Miranda. And we learned that Ethan likes golf. Yeah. He's a really avid golf fan. Does this surprise you or does this check out? It surprises me a little bit, you know, because we know that he likes, you know, motocross, but he also likes golf. He's a complex guy. There's a lot of layers to Ethan Craft. I don't know. Well, he was in the mini golf. That is challenge. that is very true. All right. Now that you say that, I guess this doesn't make sense. Or I guess this shouldn't come as a surprise and then lizzie is sort of creeping on ethan through the reflection in her compact mirror and he's over by a vending machine drinking some grape soda great episode for grape soda it's a great drink i don't blame ethan craft yes and this is when we learn that sam and ethan craft have something in common oh yeah yeah grape soda is also your favorite soda beverage of choice it, it, it is. Yeah, it's a great soda. Um, any fruity soda, you know, grape, orange. I guess those are really the only two, but <laughs> both great sodas. And the last thing we learned about Ethan Kraft, he loves Roald Dahl books, but especially Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Which does not age well, <laughs> as Roald Dahl is wildly anti-Semitic. Eh, 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 the yeah. witches. Eh, eh, eh. <laughs> Well, you know, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, weird book. Four people sleep in one bed <laughs> and not all the same direction. Just, just very strange. And that is the final key. Lizzie is like, this is it. I have everything I need. Next time Ethan sees me, I'm 
going to be the girl of his dreams. Yes, but before we get that, we have to cut back to the backyard and the Flamingo Club is in full swing. Yes, business is booming. It is Club Flamingo. There are tables. There is music. There's even a neon flamingo. Not only that, people at the tables are taking music requests, apparently one for P. Diddy. A really strange reference for a children's show. Yeah. <laughs> but sure. Another thing we learned about Larry, he's allergic to guacamole. <laughs> what are all of these little tidbits about Larry's life come out here in this episode? I know. They're really bringing the dimension to Larry Tudgeman's character. I know. And it's not even through any interactions with people his own age. <laughs> it's so random that he's here, but part. I like it. <laughs> Same. This is one of my favorite Larry episodes. Yeah. It's like it's so out of place, but it also makes perfect sense. And then he gets yelled at by Sam McGuire for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> because um, Matt takes Sam's dinner and gives it to Larry. And then Sam just yells at Larry like, why'd you take my dinner? And Matt Matt was really able to follow follow through on his desire to make his backyard the hottest spot in town. So then Miranda and Gordo show up to Club Flamingo, but they're not there for Club Flamingo. They're there for Lizzie. And inside, Lizzie is prepping for, you know, becoming the woman that Ethan wants. She is wearing a hat and she asks them if it looks mysterious. I mean, it it, it raises a lot of questions. <laughs> Meanwhile, Gordo snagged some more golf magazines from his dad so that Lizzie can learn about her new favorite sport. You know what? In 2002, this was like prime time for young people to become really into golf, primarily because of Tiger Woods. I was going to say, was this when Tiger Woods was peaking? This is prime Tiger Woods fandom. Yeah. Prime Tiger Woods era. And then, you know, Joe is lurking in the background, would you say? I mean, Lizzie has to learn about creeping from somebody. It's true. And she just blurts out, does this have anything to do with making Ethan Craft like you? Yeah, I mean, I didn't like Joe in this episode. This might be a hot take because I know that you're a big Joe McGuire fan, but, you know, it was just too on the nose for me. No, I wrote that down too. It felt like this happens every so often, starting with, I think, the one of the very first episodes where Joe McGuire has that story from her past that is just... Such a perfect parallel for yeah, what it, is currently like, going on. So her, she tells a story about how she changed herself all for a guy. It's like there's no effort in this story, you know? It it's wasn't like, for a guy. It was for a group of friends. It's like I don't even know if this actually happened to you. It, doesn't, it was very nonspecific. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like you're just telling a story about something that could happen. I don't believe that this was an issue that you had. And Lizzie's takeaway was... Maybe you didn't do it right. <laughs> that would be my takeaway, too, <laughs> if someone tried to give me an obnoxious lesson like this. <laughs> Joe McGuire, get out of here. You're not yeah. my MVP. Oh, <laughs> sorry, Joe. You're not mine either. And then we cut to the school. And at first, I'm very confused. I was confused for this whole thing. Of, like, where we are in time because it is dark. Yeah, the hallway is, like, dimly lit. It's like, is this after hours? <laughs> <laughs> like, what? But then I think it's just all for aesthetic because at the end of the scene, as she's walking away, there are students in the background. 
Not only is it dark, Lizzie is wearing sunglasses in Indoors. the dark. <laughs> yeah. Yes. She is in a black dress, an LBD, if you will, a little black dress. Her bangs are slicked back. She's wearing lipstick and sunglasses. Um, we watch the show with the captions and sultry music is playing according to the captions. Ethan is a little bit caught off guard by Lizzie's new look. He is. And this is the perfect opportunity for Lizzie to just throw out everything that she's learned about Ethan Kraft over the past few is it just one day actually? Over the past <laughs> day. Over the past twenty four hours. <laughs> yeah. So Gordo is here to assist her in this endeavor. He walks past her and is like, I'll see you on the golf course. Whoa, I love golf. <laughs> yeah. Um, we learn that Ethan always hooks his tee shots. You know, he has to bend his knees a little bit. But Lizzie says, you know what really helps me is listening to Jaw <laughs> Rule, <laughs> Ethan's favorite musician. Now, this just reminded me, or this just made me think that Ethan was probably one of the fire Festival attendees. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> It makes too much sense for it not to be the case. That is now canon. Ethan <laughs> attended Fire Festival. Ja Rule is just another <laughs> fully out of place musical reference. I know. Like they think on a Disney Channel show. They think that the ten year olds watching Lizzie McGuire are familiar with the musical endeavors of Ja Rule <laughs> and P. Diddy. I'm sorry, but you know, Especially like Lizzie McGuire. It's <laughs> it's not like this is That's So Raven. This is Lizzie McGuire here we're talking about. You mean the whitest of white bread? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. And Ethan's like, what's your favorite Ja Rule song? <laughs> I don't even know if I can name one Ja Rule song. I can promise you that that went completely. I probably did not think Ja Rule was a real person <laughs> when I watched this episode <laughs> as yeah. a child. And Lizzie is like, oh, no. I've made a huge mistake, but luckily Ethan has the attention span of a goldfish. So she's just like, I love golf. And the crisis is averted. Yes. It's that easy. Yeah. And then she, you know, pulls out a can of grape soda. And this is where things get crazy. <laughs> grape soda is my favorite drink in the history of the world. Whoa. And then she gives it to him courtesy of Lizzie McGuire and then does like a walk away, you know, like mysterious sultry if yeah, you will indeed and then ethan opens the soda and <laughs> it just like explodes in his face yeah right into his eye it's like oh my eye <laughs> classic ethan oh my goodness yeah and then we're back at club flamingo larry's star continues to rise he walks in and they're all like tudge this is the popularity that got him voted class president yes he, People are just drawn to him. He can turn it on. He's a real politician. <laughs> but then, plot twist. Yeah, we get like a godfather kind of parody. <laughs> Is that what's happening? A little bit. We we are now introduced to one of Matt's classmates, Sonny Matarowski. Yes, and he is not having it with Club Flamingo. No. No one hangs out with Sonny Matarowski anymore. Everybody is here at Club Flamingo, and that will not do. No, it's totally ruining his own business as he has a satellite dish and charges people to watch TV after school. I mean, the satellite dish, also the 70-inch TV. I mean, yeah. he, has a, he has a full setup. 
Yeah, that is bougie stuff in 2002. He has a bone to pick with Matt McGuire. You're going to shut down this operation, or you're going to eat lunch every day in the trash can outside the cafeteria. Fine, squash my dreams. Yeah, and Matt goes into self-preservation mode, I would say. He's like, okay, I'm shutting down. Yeah, but on the way out, Sonny Matarowski's like, and you know what? You're going to tell me how to make some supersonic tonic. And Matt's like, okay. (laughs) And proceeds to give him just like the most gross recipe he can come up with on the fly. You know, good thinking for Matt McGuire. I have respect for that. He is Don't Don't give away your recipe. Nah. So we get some, first he's like strawberries and ice, like, you know, but then it hits him. Like, I don't have to tell you the truth. So we get some garlic. We get some pickle juice. We get some fish oil. You're going to have a really bad day. Yep. (laughs) That is Matt McGuire keeping it real. So then we cut back to school. Lizzie in this moment is in a full sort of golf girl getup wearing a visor. Yeah, and she fully thinks that she's on the right path. Yeah, she's like, I'm nailing this. Ethan loves chili pastrami dogs. I love them too. You know what would be perfect with them? <laughs> the perfect compliment to a chili pastrami tortilla <laughs> dog? An everlasting gobstopper. A fake candy. <laughs> oh my God, that's from Willy Wonka. <laughs> my favorite part of this is that as, as soon as she says that, he almost chokes to death. <laughs> He's like, I can't believe you said that. It's like, oh my That's god. That's from my favorite book. <laughs> you know, props for saying it's the book. See, Ethan Craft is an intellectual. Ethan Craft reads. Yeah. He didn't say the movie. He did not. And the movie was most well, the old movie was most assuredly out already. Yes. Not the new movie. But yeah, this gives Lizzie just the most confidence. She's like, we're vibing, we're having good rapport with each other. I'm going to ask again. I'm going to be rejected again. (laughs) It's still a no. There's just no chemistry. No, he goes, what's that high school subject I'm going to fail? Chemistry. Chemistry. (laughs) Yeah, and he talks about, you know, like if you made a list, Lizzie's perfect on paper, but it's just friend vibes. I thought we understood each other. And I really, I really felt Ethan Craft's humanity in this episode yeah and in this moment like he becomes more than a himbo caricature i think i mean we've gotten that a little bit before but the show always like just wants to pull him back in that direction for whatever reason like he's very genuine that is why he is a himbo because the core the core quality of the himbo is having a heart of gold and i would say that (laughs) ethan craft is that the the clinical definition (laughs) Yeah, I would say that Ethan Kraft has a heart of gold. He is a he is genuinely a good guy. You will know the himbo when you see him in the wild. <laughs> um, but yeah, Lizzie's like, I don't get it, but fine. It's like, no, I don't understand, but I guess I have to. I guess I can't take this creepy thing I'm doing any further. So this should be the end, right? Like they've been pining over Ethan Kraft for over a year now, like. He's flat out rejected her now twice. This should be it. There should be no more Ethan Craft lust. But because these episodes are shown wildly out of order, (laughs) you know there is going to be. It's just going to make it even creepier. Yes. Um, And like even more of a no-no. Yes. And then we get the scene of 
Lizzie is sad. She is home. She is staring at the fridge, just like she just zoned out. And her parents get her out of out of the zone. And we see that she is collecting all of her golf stuff and it's all in one box. Now she accumulated a lot of golf stuff over <laughs> the past twenty four to forty eight hours. Like clubs. She did, yeah. And Sam and Joe, they're really sorry that this didn't work out, but they're going to be there if Lizzie needs anything. And Lizzie's like, huh, they don't want to control my life. They just want me to be happy. But first she's like, why didn't my parents tell me that changing myself for Ethan was never going to work? Oh, yeah, they did. (laughs) Self-awareness. We love it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a good push. It's a good effort at the end. But sorry, you're still not my MVP, either of you. No. Get out of here. And then we get the final scene of the episode in the backyard at the final moments of Club Flamingo. And I have to say, I loved this scene. I think the endings are usually my least favorite part of the episodes because they rarely feel right. They often feel abrupt or like too much or not enough. Like sometimes it just ends. Sometimes we get... Matt McGuire improving, losing a video game. Sometimes. <laughs> Are you serious? I don't know what you're talking about. That was my favorite ending. Like, 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 I want any of chomp. No, I love it as a soundbite. <laughs> it certainly made me chuckle heartily. However, story-wise, I think the endings to the episodes are often the weakest part. And I loved this scene. I loved the sibling moment between Lizzie and Matt. It felt so genuine their exchange the way that Matt tries to you know poke at Lizzie and when Lizzie doesn't poke back he is like oh she's actually upset let me try to be earnest right now like I just it's all good stuff in my opinion I agree that the the sentiment between Lizzie and Matt was definitely a good touch I still find it weird how much they try to portray Matt as like an alcoholic (laughs) <laughs> or like a bar, like it's so weird that that makes its way into a children's show, and that's happened now. I feel like in two of the past four episodes, you know, here he is portraying the role of like a the bartender that you spill your heart and soul to. I really feel like they're hinting that Matt McGuire is going to develop alcohol dependency. Yeah, in one situation he's the bartender, and the other episode he was the consumer, just being like, "Hit me." Hit me. Juice me. Juice me. <laughs> but yeah, they, they're able to have a good talk. Miranda and Gordo show up, and it turns out that none of them have gotten invited to the dance or have found a date to mm-hmm. attend the dance with them. We kind of skipped over the fact that Matt, as we mentioned at the beginning of the episode, I guess, also unfairly drags Ethan Craft. Yeah, yeah I, I felt like we had mentioned that already. Yeah. It's like, Ethan's a good guy and all. He's just kind of... Duh. Unnecessary. Yeah, rude. Rude. But overall, a cute sibling moment. Yeah. But yes, as you said, none of the friends have dates for the dance, but they could all go together as friends, or they could awkwardly dance in Lizzie's backyard. Yeah, that's so much better than going to a dance. And (laughs) Lizzie is like, Lanny, hit it. Lanny, it turns out, can play the piano. Yeah. Yeah. I guess we should have known that. They were in a band after all. Yeah, Lanny is a musical guy. It's how he emotes. But yeah, so Gordo and Lizzie are now dancing together. Again, Miranda and Matt dancing together. 
And Gordo, Gordo tells Lizzie he likes her better as her, not as the mystery woman that she was trying to be for Ethan. Although... <laughs> I feel like we just have to play this because there's no way to describe <laughs> what happened, like the sound that comes out of his mouth. That's true. I did not clip this, so I'm going to have to pull this from the show. Let's see if I can find the moment. For the record, you're much better being Lizzie than you were at being Ethan's type. Yeah, well, it was fun for a while, but I think I would have gotten sick of not being me. See, if I were still Ethan's type, I would have no idea how to do this. I like you better as you. Although that mystery woman thing was kind of... Oh, you think so? Isn't that what I just said? <laughs> Did you? Did you really? <laughs> Sam. Yes. What was that? Oh, you know, you, you don't know what that was? <laughs> it was a little... <laughs> oh. <laughs> he like shimmies his shoulders too. <laughs> I was like, oh, dang. Gordo just learned a little bit about himself tonight. <laughs> he <laughs> he likes mystery women as well. You know what? And this they, is he learned that um sophisticated European women are bond women. Ooh, <laughs> full circle. Yeah. And as they dance under now you got to hear Lanny's beautiful music. The lights <laughs> go out at Club Flamingo. Yep. End of episode. End of episode. So fun. This is a good one. Yes, and of course we have a lot of outfits to talk about today because Lizzie changed her whole personality, and with that, a whole wardrobe change. Yes. So I guess we should just start at the beginning. It's a very good place to start. Miranda's back representing the UK. Union Jack. Union Jack, yeah. I feel like I had a shirt very similar to the one Lizzie is wearing. Really? Yeah. Did you have also a purse made out of jeans? Yes. <laughs> It literally that looks was a like real she had trend. jean shorts and she just like stitched the legs together. That was There's literally pockets in it. That was a trend. That was a trend. Yeah. I don't remember that trend at all. The belt is very extra. Like there's even a belt around it. <laughs> Why is that a thing? But that was a thing. Why? I don't know. Why? I don't know. Her choker is very thick. Her pants have a lot of like patched details on them. Miranda's rocking a studded belt, and Gordo just looks like Gordo. Gordo usually looks like Gordo. We mentioned that Lanny and Matt were playing the role of kind of like evil geniuses. Very fun costumes for them. It looks like they made Lanny a hunchback by sticking maybe like a dodgeball into his shirt. Yes. Real creative. Real creative thinking there. Let's talk about the next day. Gordo and Lizzie are hiding in the bush flowers in her hair <laughs> you know honestly ethan and gordo are rocking a similar look that's true gordo looks like <laughs> yeah he just looks like ethan's child i'm sorry <laughs> he's just so much shorter but yeah ethan's got like yellow button down short sleeve over a t-shirt miranda back in the camo indeed even a matching binder i see it's so that the binder can blend into her shirt, obviously. Sneaky, sneaky. Why else would anybody wear camo? We've seen that heart necklace from Lizzie as well. Have we? Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. I don't quite know what's happening on Lizzie's shirt. Me either, but I do see that Miranda is wearing an American flag shirt. She just loves what is, countries. What is, what is happening? <laughs> what do you with mean? With her style, it's extremely patriotic. I don't know. Does Club Flamingo remind you at all of the Rat Pack? 
it feels like a Rat Pack sort of establishment. It feels like they might have repurposed some of the clothes that they had in Come Fly With Me and just used it as sort of the aesthetic for Club Flamingo. Yes, that's exactly what's happening. I I just noticed that Lanny is wearing a flamingo vest and it is adorable. He's <laughs> got a huge bow tie as and well. And a huge bow tie. Looks like he's been inside Sam's closet. Yes. <laughs> he's, uh, he's here as the waiter. Excellent. Excellent. Excellent touch. We love that that uniform from Lanny. Wait, really? did you cruise right on by the dress? Did I? Oh, I might have. Yeah, I apologize. I mean, what more is there to say? You already called it an LBD. It's an LBD. She does look very suave and mysterious. Looks like she's put on some lipstick. Yes. Yeah. She even has some little kitten heels on. Mm, Indeed. Very sophisticated. Indeed, indeed. And then we get her golf look, which is Florida retiree. You know, I I see it. She's got the visor. She's got the vest. She's really doing her best uh, Michelle Wee here. But yeah, she got rejected for the second time while wearing a visor. That's just sad. It's the visor. You can't. Don't wear the visor, Lizzie. Yeah, Lizzie. God. The visor is bad news for you. At least, though, Lizzie's all dressed up for the dance. Gordo and Miranda just show up. I guess they're kind of dressed up for a dance. Like, why is Miranda in a dress right now? I think that they were fully still planning to just go anyways. <laughs> but Lizzie can't handle the humiliation. I guess so. Yeah, is Gordo wearing a suit he at the is. end of this? He is. He's wearing like a full blazer. What is this? Yeah. And they didn't go to the dance for Lizzie? I'm very confused, actually, now that we look at this. Yeah. But he gets to dance with Lizzie. So who's the real winner? Look at that smile. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> look at her smile. Oh. oh. So cute. This should be their Christmas card. <laughs> this is how it all begins. Fun times, fun times. The feelings are felt. The feelings are felt. <laughs> yes. All right, Marissa, that should take us into MVP, yeah. right? Yeah. And I definitely went first last time because you wanted to make me say Lizzie. I didn't make you, said, you say Lizzie. Yeah, you wanted, but that's what you were. That's what you were going to do. You were like, you need to say Lizzie for last episode, otherwise I will ridicule you. And I was like, whatever. So. You Marissa, said Lizzie Marissa, first. I did say, because she earned it last episode, but you know what? She's not earning my MVP this episode. You stalk someone, you don't get my MVP. That's oh, I, my that's whole, my, my philosophy on that. So I wholeheartedly agree. <laughs> so, Marissa, who is your MVP this episode? Well, now you're making me question my logic because I wholeheartedly agree, but I was planning on giving my MVP in this episode to Gordo. Oh, are you gonna get? You're gonna give it to Gordo? Yeah, I think that this episode was Gordo at his best. He is there for Lizzie. He supports her as a friend. He tells her what she needs to hear, but also hypes her up. There's no judgment at any point, which I feel like season one Gordo there would be for sure. Yeah, I just think all of the best parts of his character were on display here, and he deserves it, even though he did assist in the stalking. <laughs> We'll just forget about that. Okay, well, you know what? I can't forget about that. Gordo is not my MVP this episode. I do have a, a different opinion from you. My MVP, and this I didn't even feel was close. MVP of this episode is Ethan Kraft, for sure. I mean, Ethan Kraft. Oh, that's good. We learned so much about Ethan Kraft. This is a tailor-made Ethan Kraft episode. He just, 
he comes off Wait, as, can I change mine? No, you said Gordo. <laughs> no, you said Gordo. Oh. I said Ethan Kraft. Ethan Kraft is the MVP. He, no, he, I, he know, knows I, himself, and he knows how he feels about his relationship with Lizzie, and he's not going to let Lizzie make him feel uncomfortable, put him in a situation he doesn't want to be in. He's like, we're just friends, and that's totally fine. And on top of that, we learned so much about Ethan Kraft in this episode, and I think he does, you know, everything right. I only clipped one clip from this episode, and it was obviously an Ethan Kraft clip. My day is proceeding with fineness. And you know what, Ethan Kraft? You were fineness in this episode. You get my MVP. <laughs> I stand by Gordo. I was really <laughs> quick to flip there, but I agree that Ethan did really shine in this episode. And like I said, heart of gold himbo. <laughs> yes. You know what? I think I think the the Gordo Ethan split, you know, it works for this episode. You know what I didn't like about Gordo was him flat out rejecting Ethan as friends, but I guess, you know, <laughs> Yep, that's where the judgment came. You know, that was a, a he put him down a little bit unnecessarily harshly, but yeah. It feels right, though. Yeah, I guess they were never going to be friends. Yeah. So that was episode 208, Just Friends. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at OutfitRepeatPod or email us at OutfitRepeatersPodcast at gmail.com. This episode, along with all of our other episodes, will be available at our website, www.paginatedmedia.com slash OutfitRepeaters. You can also find this episode on any podcast platform. Yeah, and be sure to tune in next week for episode 209, Those Freaky Maguires. And we're going to have a guest next week, I believe, right? We are. We are going to have an old friend of mine who has known, we have known each other since middle school. How appropriate. Cool. So yeah, definitely stay tuned for that one. It's been a while since we've had a guest on. We had a good string of guests and now it's like, it's been a couple days. <laughs>